<laughs> there we go. <laughs> Thank you everyone for joining. Um, my name is David Bilodeau. I'm a family law attorney in Newton, Massachusetts. And um, I've got the great pleasure of having uh, the Essex uh, Register of the Probate and Family Court, uh, Pamela Casey O'Brien with us today. Thank you so much, Pamela, for your time and for coming on and joining us today. Thank you. Thank um, you for having me. Um, thank you all for attending. Um, so we're gonna talk about the virtual registry, mostly. Yep. Um, so what we've done in Essex County is that we've used Zoom so that you don't need to come into the court um, and you can file through Zoom. You can, you basically go in and you see a member of my staff and they're there from eight to 4.30 every day. Um, it keeps you safe in your office or at your home and you can get uh, any type of service. I think we do about 100% of what we otherwise could do at the, at the registry in person over the virtual registry. You can file th things in through Zoom. You can watch my staff then docket what you've filed. Um, you can ask whatever questions you have. Um, at this point, we don't have that many answers in regards to hearing dates. Uh, we're still working on that because the judges, they're doing their Zoom and telephonic hearings. So they have their own kind of schedule, whereas before we used to always be the schedulers. Um, so we haven't got that function, but that's the only thing that we don't have at this point. Yeah, I had the pleasure of uh, going on the um, the virtual registry today, and I mean, I have to say, I was I was completely and totally blown away by how great it is. I just like, <laughs> I really couldn't believe it. Um, I, I I took some screenshots, which I want to go through with everybody just to show, um, but I, I just I don't even know where to begin. It was it was awesome. I'm I'm thrilled about it. Um, I can't wait for all the courts to be up and running with, I, mean, I think it's going to make life a million times easier for everybody. It, it was, it was very easy to use, uh, very straightforward. It was, it was quick, easy. Um, <laughs> I joked with Pamela that I'm never going to have to go to court again. Um, and, and there's, there's actually some truth to that. I mean, hopefully if this is up and running for a while, um, it'll keep people out of courts. It'll keep the courts safer. Um, well, Pamela, what was the, uh, what was the main drive for you in trying to get this up and running? Um, basically fair access to justice. People weren't able to get a hold of us. You know, all they could do is do a, get a phone call through this way. You get to talk to somebody, you get some, you know, you get some direction as to where you're going to file something, uh, what judges are doing for different types of hearings. You can get that information from us. Uh, we have waited on about 750 um, individual users who have come to us uh, through the virtual registry. Um, the address is on the web page. Um, right now it's Essex, Middlesex, Bonstable at some limited level, um, and Norfolk started. So these are the ones you can sign in today? Today. Okay. Uh, we're hoping that by July the 13th that we will have uh, all 14 counties up and running. Constable mm -hmm. uh, will take care of the islands, um, okay. but that's that's kind of the plan going forward. So as we do this slow opening, this is one of the things that I think can help with the slow opening, because you don't need to come to court. You don't need to come into the physical building. We can deliver it to you by you getting on your computer. 
Yeah. I mean, one of the things I know I've talked to you about this offline in the past, but myself and a lot of colleagues are having issues with the e-filing with, you know, there's some courts where you can, there's a drop box and we don't really know, you know, it, the answers are a little different in every courthouse, but correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like we can now utilize the virtual registry for, for everything. It sort of makes some of these other options irrelevant. We can just access through the registry now. Right. That's it matters amazing. On the, right. It matters on the host and what the host's ability is. Um, so you experienced um, Vinny Procopio in my office. He's very capable at Zoom. I'm sure you figured out. Um, and he's been able to really do different things that other people are now talking about. Different um, departments of the court have come and they're, they're considering a virtual registry. So mm-hmm. as we move forward, I think the virtual registry has to stay um, open and operational um, because I think it will help everyone. Who wants to drive to a courthouse if you can ask me for a certified copy over the phone in it or mail or over the web? What, what restrictions, if any, are there in terms of what you can and can't file with the virtual registry? You can file anything in the virtual registry. The problem with e-filing is that it's limited. We're trying to get at least to 1As, which we haven't been able to do at this point. Um, So it's a slow, very slow process. We're hoping in the coming weeks that the 1As get um, into the e-filing system and that you're able to file your 1As there. In addition to that, sometimes with e-filing, there isn't enough codes for you to send them through. So you end up not giving us the right information and we're just being handed stuff that lands directly on our docket sheet. So if it's not correct, you may get a rejection. And that's kind of frustrating. I can understand on a lawyer's perspective, it's very frustrating. Um, And so we we try not to do that, but I do, if you've gotten a rejection from me, you've gotten a note too. I try to be nice, but I just correct what it, it is that's wrong. If, if we file, you know, let's say I file some, you know, a complaint with the registry. Um, will the person that I'm interfacing with review the complaint and let me know if there's an issue with it? Yes, they should be doing that. So yeah. that, I mean, that's incredibly helpful as opposed to just submitting, you know, with the e-filing, you'll submit and it may submit properly because you've coded it properly, but there might be a, a substantive defect with what is on the, the PDF itself. And you may not find that out. I mean, I've had a couple issues where I didn't find out for a day or so this, I mean, to, to get that right back immediately, that feedback and what the correction is, I mean, that's, that's incredibly useful. Is, um, One caveat to that though, David, if, if you can e-file, we're encouraging you to e-file. Okay. The things you can't e-file, I mean, there are a lot of things you can't e-file, but you can't put in a subsequent action, meaning a contempt or a modification into an e-file. So those will be taken in the virtual registry. But if we can push some of that to, you know, what can be e-filed should be e-filed. I see. Okay. Thank you. We're trying to maintain that, you know, statewide that if you, if, if you can, please do, because it's so much easier for all of us, really. Okay. I see. So if someone gets a, a rejection, is that the type of thing where you then would jump on the registry and try and sort it out? Yeah, you could or, do that. You could do it that way. Usually I get a phone call because I leave my number right in the rejection. So they call me right up and say, what am I doing wrong? And I explain it and then it gets sent back in. 
I know we're not like other counties, not all counties are alike. So um, that's kind of what we do. And what, it, it, on the other side of it, can you access existing files through the virtual registry or, or get a summons Absolutely. through the virtual registry? Get a summons, you can. Your summons will be oh. issued while you're speaking. Wow. Um, yeah, just like it could be at the, at the counter. Um, so we, we're gonna have to expand this, but the whole point is we want people in the virtual registry. We don't want you in the courthouse, especially as we move through this slow opening. So judges are still gonna be doing very few in-person hearings, it's my understanding, um, and still pushing for the Zoom hearings because that's the more efficient way um, and it keeps everybody safe and at safe distance. So that's mm -hmm. basically what we're expecting to continue wow. both hearings and the virtual registry. If you have to come into the court, I can tell you that we have worked so very hard, the trial court themselves, to make it a safe place for you to come to. There will be markings on the floor, like in your grocery stores. There will be um, a lot of signage around that you will have to read. Um, but it, it, we are trying to keep you safe. It, and it's going to, you know, every courthouse has, uh, it has been determined what the number maximum capacity is. And then within each courtroom in each lobby area, everybody, it, it has a certain number. So for instance, the Essex registry can hold 15 people max. Okay. So that means I can only let 15 people in the door. So if you go to the virtual registry, you're not gonna be in line behind 15 people more likely than not. You're gonna get waited on right away. Whereas the people that I think need to come to the court are those people who do not have access to technology. And mm -hmm. that those are the people um, that probably need more help as well. Um, I was indicating to you before this that we also have a lawyer for the day program. So the lawyer for the day is in a breakout room and if a person has a question for a lawyer and they're qualified, we send the individual into the breakout room with the lawyer. We can tell when they're done. We can tell when that person leaves. Um, they can join, they don't join the primary session um, mm -hmm. because then they'd be cutting in line, so to speak. Um, they can dial back in and yep. then file their papers there if mm -hmm. the lawyer of the day has, has been able to help them. I mean, it sounds like for lawyers, this is a no-brainer. You should be doing this and not even stepping foot in the courtroom to file some the courthouse to file something. I agree with you. Um, and I know, I know you mentioned um, you had someone contact you from Italy the other day. Yeah, we had a, a litigant from Italy. He was so happy that he was able to talk to somebody in person, you know, virtually, but in person, and got his answered questions answered. We've had, you know. An 87-year-old woman from California calls. She's looking for, you know, her a certified copy of her divorce, and we were able to give it to her right then. She knew oh, it was wow. in the mail. Yeah, that's so incredible. It's, it's incredible. So they, had, you know, they're working remotely as well. They're not in the registry. We may have to change some of that, um, but we'll do that as demand requires. So if I if 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 I'm joining the hypothetical, I'm joining a case that's been around for a while. Or actually, let's let me ask this. I've been I'm, I'm going to do a modification on a case that I didn't have access to the file. It's five or six years old. I could jump on the registry and get a copy of a judgment or, or anything like that. You're going to, yeah, yeah. It's public oh, wow. record. Whatever is public record, you can yep. have a copy of. Obviously, if you're attorney of record, you can have a copy of the file. 
can you get financial statements through the the virtual registry if you're and on the record? You're, if the, you're the attorney of record and you're going to show us your ID on, on the virtual registry, um, yes, you most certainly can. Oh, that's, that's incredible. And how does it work with the summonses if some, so, cause we're not going to get, if I file a contempt, um, I'll get a PDF of the summons. I won't get the one with the, you know, with the raised seal. Yeah, you don't need a raised seal on a summons. Oh, okay. So there's no issue with that. There's no issue Getting that, that served and, and reprocessed on the back end. Right. Oh, great. That sounds incredible. Um, And you think you you said by by July thirteenth you think all the counties will be up and running with this? I'm hoping all the counties will up be up and running with this. Wow, that's it's really amazing. I can't even. That's so exciting. Why don't we? Um, do you want to run through the uh, little slideshow I have here? Sure, that'd be great. David visited this morning, so he has an actual um, slideshow that he made up from the virtual registry. Yeah, this there. is okay. this is my uh, my personal visit to the registry this morning. Let's make sure I don't screw this up when I share this. Okay, so is that sharing properly? Same type of box on the left. Okay, so the the first thing I the first thing this is to to Pamela's point earlier. This is just a copy of my web, web browser here. And um, you just go straight to the mass, mass.gov website. And this is, you can't see it because you had to scroll down a little bit. And you can see right here, entering the virtual registry, you just click this link and you are prompted on your browser to join uh, if, if you want to open the Zoom program. And then you click yes, obviously. and um, I'm assuming there's a similar page like this for the other counties as well? Yes. Is that, okay. And you do that. And then this is what I saw. Um, you just get this, this screen that says, welcome to the Essex Probate and Family Court uh, virtual front counter. And, um, and then you're, this, so this is the waiting room. This is the waiting room. So I have one person dealing with the people in the waiting room right now. We've been able to do it with one person at this point, but the more this grows, and I believe that it would, will, and should, um, we'll add some staff onto this. So you you don't wait very long. I don't know how long you waited, David, but we're Less really- Less than five minutes. It was really- Yeah, we're quick. really trying to keep it to that. Yeah. Um, and when I was talking to Vinny, uh, we, we only talked for a few minutes, but he said there were, um, it, it sounded like he had the ability to see other people in the waiting room while he was talking directly with me? How does that yes. work? He can see everyone in the waiting room and he can um, put numbers next to them. So he remembers oh. what order in which they came um, so that we wait on them as they come in the door. Can, can, they, can the operator, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, communicate with people in the waiting room even if there's a, a session, a virtual session happening? Yes. They can okay. directly communicate through the chat function, indicate to them that we see you there. Uh, and if you will wait, you have two people in front of you, whatever the case may be at that time. Wow. Okay. So yeah, so I waited here for about five minutes and then there's this little button at the bottom um, 
what happens is it, Zoom will, if, if you're familiar with Zoom, you'll know what I'm talking about. You get the first prompt, which is, do you want to have video or not? The audio, the, there's, there's also an audio prompt that doesn't actually appear when you use this system, but you can click this button to test your audio and confirm that your microphone works while you're, while you're waiting uh, for the operator to join the session with you, which is, which is pretty neat. Um, and then, so when it's, when you do connect, you get this little connection screen, which people familiar with Zoom will have seen before. And this lat, this was about 10 or 15 seconds. And then here we are. <laughs> so, so the next, the next Zoom session that I'm doing in this series is the do's and don'ts about um, <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> yeah. So, Different outfit. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe be careful about what you wear when you're going to be on Zoom. <laughs> um, so this is what I was seeing. This is a screenshot of what I actually saw when I was interfacing with, with Vinny, who was the operator at the time. And um, where, where is he in the building, Pamela? Is he in his He's at office? Home. He's in his basement. Oh, okay. So this is... Uh, virtual so, himself, yeah. I see. Okay. So, he's, so got, you, he's got a laptop that was issued by the trial court. It has a VPN that has mass courts on it. He has um, anything that he needs there. He has a stamp. He has my signature stamp. He has the embossing stamp. So he can do everything that you need done um, right there from home. So is, is the plan when we reopen that the people that are physically behind the counter will be dealing with the actual people that are in the building? And yes. not they'll be it'll be a, the the Zoom virtual will be separate from the physical counter. Yes. Okay. And that's why I say there's really no need for your lawyer. If you're looking for something or you need copies of something, you can go to the virtual virtual registry and ask us for those things, and we can send them right through right through Zoom. You can get a copy of what you're looking for. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so this was us chatting, and I actually had access to these Zoom features. I think, I don't know, I didn't actually share my screen. Um, I don't know if that's something that uh, is allowed in the, in the settings on your end, but uh, Vinny did share his screen with me, which was, he was giving me a little uh, uh, tutorial about the process, which was, which was very interesting. So here's the next picture which is where he shared his screen with me. I'm not sure if this was something that you guys normally do or if I was getting a little bit of red carpet treatment here. You were getting a little bit of red carpet <laughs> treatment because we're trying to sell this to you. Yeah, really, yeah. like you to come well, here. I'm, I'm, I'm sold, I'm sold. But. but in any event, what the see properly are all the, we digitized a number of files. So if you can't find the digital file, which most lawyers can, but we can get them for, to you right from here. We have zip files that have everything you need for a change of name. We have different, um, and we're working on digitizing every form, but right now we've got as many as we have. Um, it's been very successful. We did this before, not in anticipation of Zoom. We just thought we didn't like the way the copies were coming out. You know, you go to the courthouse and you ask for a complaint of some kind and it looks horrible. Um, we didn't want that. so we digitized all our forms. And um, one of the things that Vinny was talking to me about was that, I don't know if this is across counties or just in Essex, but it sounds like 
you guys have actually made your own forms for thing, you know, electronic versions, form fill out versions on PDF of things that didn't already exist on, on the mass.gov website or. That's correct. So we have done that and we've, we're now sharing those statewide so that everybody in the virtual registry should have about the same experience. Wow. That's incredible. So here, yeah, here was some of this, you know, affidavit, for example. So he showed me, um, here's a copy of one of the forms that, that Essex created. Um, so, so, so I guess a pro se or, or a lawyer that needs a form on the fly can just download this, type it up and shoot it, shoot it back to you. And Correct. it's very cool. Um, and so can, you know, a pro se litigant can do the same thing. And those are the, you know, you have to stand behind them in line. So if, if this makes it easier. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. If this makes it easier for you, the line would be much quicker. And then um, you can see it again for people familiar with Zoom in the chat in the chat box at the bottom. There is actually this button right here. I, Pamela, can you see my cursor on the share screen? I can't. Oh, okay, so it, on the on the bottom, if you see there's a white panel for the audience. If you see the white panel on the side, it's the chat panel that you open if you hit the chat button. And then at the bottom of that white panel to the right, there's a little button that says the word file. And um, if you click on that, you can actually upload a file. And, and this is, this is the pro I'm assuming this is the process to send and receive uh, documents with the registry. It is, it is. And we'd use your email as well. Oh, okay. You know, and, we'd do it either way, either way. Okay. Yeah. So in, in this, in this, uh, tour that I had, um, this affidavit form that was just created, uh, Vinny actually sent it to me and I clicked the download button and then I can download it just like, you know, any other file that I might've downloaded. Um, and it all, it all happened in the matter of seconds. I mean, it was super, right. super convenient. It's, it's faster than paper. That's for sure. You know, at the counter, it's faster than the paper at the counter. So those are that, that that's that's a tour of my my journey on the virtual uh, the virtual registry. It was I mean I I couldn't believe it. It was really incredible. Um, let's see here. Everyone to come visit visit the virtual registry just even to check it out because Vinny will give you a and go to the Essex one and then go to another one after. But go to the Essex one. Vinny's very proud of what he does and he would love to show you as David experienced. Um, exactly what he does in the virtual registry. Um, we've got a couple of questions about, before. I want to move into um, our next topic is to move more. You started talking about the reopening and the safety protocols, which I want to talk about with you, but why don't we do a couple of these uh, virtual registry questions first? Sure. Um, how do we file original, unique, and difficult to replace documents such as a will? Um, all wills, have, we have to have the original. Um, so you'd have to mail that into us. But we are acting on um, the copies. So if you, even if you e-file, we're moving those cases along based upon the fact that you're saying it's not a copy of the will, that it's the original, what your, what your verified petition is sta stating, we are taking to be the truth. So we're expecting that a will will be filed within five days. Um, but you will still get your... Um, letters. 
So even birth certificates, the same thing. Marriage certificates, the same thing. We're not even requesting originals of marriage certificates anymore. Yeah, that's what I thought. Are there any documents besides wills that you still need the original to be submitted? Not to my knowledge. Okay. Um, there's a couple. There's a couple more questions from the same person. What happens if? Uh, well, you just answered the next question. Do we have to mail them in? The answer is yes. Um, what happens if they get lost? Uh, we've heard that the probate court does not accept uh, courier, FedEx, DHL, and we have firsthand experience with U USPS packages going far astray. I mean, we deal with FedEx all the time. They're in our offices all the time. At the beginning of this um, pandemic, they were saying we weren't letting them in the building, and that wasn't true. I think they were trying to figure own situation to be honest oh, they didn't um, know we, how to, we get yeah. these overnights all the time i mean this is how you have to get it done there's there's no my understanding i mean there's no service fedex dhl etc that the court wouldn't accept from right correct correct um uh thank you thank you for setting up this webinar um, an even bigger thank you to Registrar Pamela Casey O'Brien. This sounds amazing. How soon after submitting a pleading through the virtual registry can we expect to see pleadings on mass courts? Well, if it's not really busy, he's going to be doing them at the time you're speaking to him. So he will show you um, on his screen. He can share his screen, and that would be the mass courts screen, and you will see that things have been docketed. Whatever you filed got docketed at the time you were speaking to him. He can then turn around your summons if it's a regular summons and just email it to you or file it through, send it through um, Zoom, that file pickup feature. Um, if, a, if a document is not on Mass Courts Lookup, but it's in the file, um, you can't get the document because it's not scanned, correct? Or can you guys if it's not scanned, you can't get it. You'll have to ask us in the virtual, either in the virtual registry, and then we'll call somebody in the registry and say, there's a mistake in this case. This, this has not been scanned. I need a copy of it. So we deal with the real registry as well while you're in the virtual registry. So you guys could chase down the older files. Is that yeah, something that absolutely. happens in live time, or do they put you on hold or get back to uh, you It depends later? where the file is. If it's off. And if it's in archives, you're going to be on hold for a long time, but, um, and we'll call you back on it. But most, most times, at least in Essex, we've done a lot of back um, scanning and digitizing of files. So mm -hmm. a lot of us are right there and ready to go. But if they're not, we're going to ask you to come back and we'll call you. What is your email address? So the court is struggling with how to keep um, individuals' email addresses because our mass courts, you know, system will not allow us to put the email address in there. It's something to do with the bar and that the bar is doing a sweep every night of mass courts trying to get the addresses correct. So we're working on a way of doing that. And we're working, there's a number of initiatives going on, um, even about service and how you can um, perform service. Um, and so we're, we're trying all different kinds of ways to better serve everybody that comes to the court in a more efficient way without causing any people having to come together. Mm -hmm. 
That makes so sense. We'll still, and I think you'll still see as lawyers, you will still get requests for Zoom hearings or telephonic hearings. That isn't going away, especially in this phase. Um, it's just yeah. going to be staggered a little bit. Maybe some will come in and maybe some won't. Um, and I, uh, you know, it's going to be a judge's preference, but I think a lot of judges feel as though they'd like to do the Zoom hearings or a telephonic hearing as opposed to putting anybody, anybody that's coming in at risk or mm -hmm. any of the staff at risk. Makes sense. Um, does the registry prefer Zoom filings uh, over email? No, not necessarily. Um, in Essex, I'm taking everything by email, as you know, um, if you've experienced that. Um, other counties are just taking the emergencies by email. So today I'm actually on duty for the emails. So I've been up all day just forwarding them, getting them uploaded to the docket sheet, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, and, and I think that should continue because I don't think, I think we all need access to justice in, in, in the easiest ways possible. We don't need to make this any harder than it already is. Um, there will be drop boxes because the standing order says we need to have drop boxes. So if you want to drop something off, you can, but it will be like in the lobby. We're going to try to make it even outside. It may be weather permitting. Um, but the, I don't think that lawyers need to come to the court unless they're already there. If you, if you have questions of the registry, we are available by phone and more importantly, we're available by virtual registry, which yeah. is, the same as being at the courthouse. Yeah, I mean, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's an important distinction here, which is that not every county is, is accepting paperwork this exact same way, right? Correct. Some, so, I, know, I think some counties aren't taking emails at all anymore. Well, they have to take emails of, with emergencies. emergencies so that's, yeah. that's the bottom line. They have to take those and some that are, um, where they're from a court service center or something like that. They have to take those. I forget the exact language of the standing order, mm -hmm. but that, that should continue because we don't want, we can't go back to the old way and stay safe. So this is the way to do it, is to find ways to um, be able to service you guys and, and, and do it efficiently. And so this is what we've discovered works. Do you happen to know if, if other counties are going to have any restrictions on what they accept through the virtual registry? I would think it depends upon um, the host. So okay. as I indicated before, Vinny is very, very capable of and has really um, perfected how he does the Zoom hearings, mm -hmm. uh, not hearings or just meetings. Um, okay. And he is able to take things in like that. Whether or not other users in other counties are able to do that, I'm not sure. There might we be training everyone. Vinny is the trainer for the virtually everyone. The land court, the juvenile court, they're all district court. Everybody's been through and got kind of the walkthrough that you did, David. Um, and so, and everybody's very impressed by it, but I don't, we're waiting for some Zoom licenses. I know that in other um, departments. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, I believe all the registries have a Zoom license and will start operating a virtual registry. Um, here's another question. What about impounded files? How will those be protected on the virtual system? Um, they can't be. So they need to be in the Dropbox or they need to, you know, those are special cases. You know, the percentage of those cases are not uh, very high. So 
that's not the majority of cases. The majority of cases can come right through. Mm-hmm. Um, this morning, someone emailed me a financial statement that was password protected. So I had the password. I was able to pass it on. Though that's another way you could do it. Okay. Uh, either through the virtual registry or through the email. So okay. I think that's another way that we can get them on the docket sheet. That actually makes a lot of sense. Um, do you anticipate a standing order coming out with regard to the virtual registries? Um, no, the, the standing order that we are living with now, and we will for a while, says everything that you can do virtual, you should do virtual. Yep. Anything that has to come before the court, those are people without technology. There's something like this impounded and you don't have the ability to encrypt um, your email. Those are the things that will have to come to the registry. Otherwise, we're kind of dealing with, um, you know, trying to push the work to the virtual registry to keep everyone safe. So thinking of that, that would be the way to go. Okay. Um, where are the additional forms that were mentioned located? Are they available just through Zoom or will they be on the mass.gov website? They're not on mass. A lot of them are mass.gov website uh, forms. That affidavit that you saw was not. So where we saw holes, we filled in the holes. So yep. if you want to go to the virtual registry, we give you that zip file and you will, you will be able to find those like that affidavit form, the fillable one. Um, I believe is that, that available on the website or do you think it will be? I don't point? think it is. And I think that's, we had a conversation about this the day um, and that we need more digitized forms. Um, I, as a lawyer, I never knew the controversy over forms. I mean, <laughs> if you want to change a form in the trial court, it's like an act of Congress. It cannot happen quickly. So what we did was we did our own and, you know, now everybody's adopting those. They're, they're not any different than what they are in paper, um, but they just weren't there. And so it was difficult for people to find them, and especially when they're fillable. So if I scan something to you, it's not fillable. But if I get you a fillable form, it makes life easier. Yeah. For those sure. that have technology. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, will we be able to access... Uh, Oh, I think we talked about this. Will we be able to, but maybe there's a slight extension of this. Will we be able to access impounded documents through the virtual registry, such as a DCF record produced per, per court order? Um, it's supposed to be produced to the lawyer per court order. That's really, those are the things, how can we do it? We're still struggling with that and we're still trying to come up with um, an idea as to how it can be shared. So if you share it, on Zoom, is it that secure? I don't think so. Right. Unless well, a like judge a orders, yeah. Unless a judge orders that it be shared in a certain fashion, and that's that's kind of how we've dealt with it so far. That oh. registry is to do this, and that's, that's the direction we have, and that keeps you out of the courthouse. But you've got to file that motion, however you want to do it, a motion to view the GAL report or whatever report it is. You do yeah. that motion. And then you say, and I want to share it with my client only. And then the judge can act on that administratively. And then we have some direction. So we would have, if I, if I needed to get a GAL report and I file my motion, which, which lots of us have done, I should include, uh, to include access via the virtual registry. Yes, that would be good. Good. Oh, that's, good way that's to do it. really interesting. 
that's very good feedback. Um, all right, so that's that's the those are our questions. The if judge has more... to allow that, David. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I get I get that part. Um, so if we if feel free, audience, feel free to keep asking questions about the virtual registry. I, I think I answered all the ones that are in the queue. There's a couple about Zoom hearings, which will I, I didn't ask yet because we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, let's. And, and we'll certainly, if we have time, circle back to do more virtual registry questions if people think of them as we go here. But let's let's turn now to to talking about what the reopening is going to look like. You know, more from a, a a practical standpoint. You know, what are people? And I know you started talking about this already, but but what are people going to be in for when they walk through those front doors? Um, I have to be honest, David, I don't know. I picture myself on Monday the 13th out on the front step saying, you're gonna be waiting in line, handing a piece of paper to someone and saying, if you have technology, go to the virtual registry. You may be here for hours. Or I don't know, I was kind of liking it to a restaurant. How did the restaurants do when they opened up? And I think people found that they did, it wasn't a mad rush, but there are people that have been without uh, resources from the courts for three plus months. So they're gonna, they're really gonna want to, to come in. Some people like to touch their file. I have to be honest with you, it's kind yeah. of a crazy thing, but they like to go in and look at it, make sure nothing's been filed, and because they don't have that access on the internet, they have to come to the court mm -hmm. or they have to call the court, but they don't know enough. So uh, the pro se litigants, I don't mean lawyers. Lawyers, of course, call. But for instance, everyone was calling us uh, this week. And the last, the later part of last week saying, aren't you opening up on the first? That was kind of a rumor that was going around that we were opening up on the first. And we said, no, we're opening up on the 13th. Do you know you don't have to come here? Do you know we can help you right now? Mm -hmm. So those are the kind of things that we're going to try to avoid. But if you want to look at the, how the courthouses will be, there has been a major effort on, on the part of the trial court to make the building safe. Uh, we have... Everybody will be scanned for temperature on their way in by security. You will um, then have to, you'll be counted. So we're going to count is, the number of Is the of temperature one of those uh, laser ones yes, where it doesn't laser. actually touch your body? Exactly. exactly. Okay. Yep. So there, you'll have your temperature taken. If you don't pass the temperature test, you can wait 10 minutes and it will be done again. Um, we're going to, you're going to see when you come in, there'll be a lot, like I indicated before, a lot of signage. We have been working on this for, since day one, I've been on a committee of how are we going to reopen? So we're, we're now working on court rooms um, and we're concerned about uh, lawyers approaching the bench and the probate and family court. We seem to do that a lot. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. you don't, you don't do it as much in the district or in superior court. Um, unless you're at a sidebar, but it, the probate court, you're always filing something mm -hmm. um, or giving something to the clerk. And we're trying to figure out ways within the courtroom that we can make it safer because on August 10th, we're thinking about a new phase where we let more people into the building, but we've mm -hmm. got to make sure it's safe right now. So when you walk in, you'll see signs, at least in Essex, I can tell you what my signs are going to look like. You know, you're going to walk in, you're going to get in line behind these 15 people. There will be three people at the counter waiting on the 15 people. So the line should go pretty quickly. Um, but you don't know what people have 
to ask or what, what their needs are. So they could be longer than you anticipate. Um, and then you will see only so many people can be in a public restroom. Only so many people can be in the elevator. So there'll be signage everywhere that says the capacity of courtroom. Mm -hmm. We will stop anybody from coming into the building. So I think mostly, what you, for the most part, what you're going to see is very few in-person hearings. Yeah. I think you're going to see, and I don't know this for a fact, I'm just kind of speaking off the top of my head, like those things that need to be heard, like a trial where you need to present evidence. That's going to be something, and that's what the standing order says. It says trials and it says evidentiary hearings. Yes. So at first we were thinking that restraining orders would be the one of the things that we would hear uh, live. And then it, the advocates came out and said, no, 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 it's not even safe to require them to come out of their house. So at least for the initial hearing, a lot of those are gonna be done virtually. I know mm -hmm. that was, that's what district court is definitely doing because um, that's the research has found um, that, that, that that's the safer way for um, the plaintiff in a restraining order. Now, are the judges going to still have their, you know, they're going to have their DOR day, their motion day, their pretrial day, their trial day, or because because we're only doing certain things in person and certain things on Zoom or phone, are they going to rearrange their schedule to accommodate that a little better? That's what I believe is going to happen. So they're going to do intermittently. Because we can't have all these people in the courthouse, uh, with, they're going to have to coordinate how many people are coming into the courthouse. So Salem is very easy because it's one court. It's us, right? It's okay. Um, you know, the Brook Courthouse, that would be very difficult to organize all of that. But the, the, the occupants within the building need to get together and determine um, what kind of things are going to be heard. You know, it, it's hard to do more than like 10 or 12 hearings, uh, Zoom hearings in okay. one day. And, you know, so the judges are doing the best they can with what they've got, but they, it's definitely um, a challenge. So right now at this point, it doesn't sound like anyone's going in for a, in person for a motion hearing, or I know yesterday there were some courts that were doing, sounded like doing certain hearings. Um, do you anticipate anyone having to physically go in between now and August 10th on a temporary motion for temporary orders? No, I don't. Or any other type of motion? No, I don't. Unless unless there's some request for that because of some ADA accommodation or something like that. But there shouldn't have to be a hearing in person on motions at this time. Unless the judge has it. It's an elongated, evidentiary type of heavy, um, you know, a lot of exhibits and things like that sure. that we can't exchange um, over the internet. Yeah, that was my next question for you. Um, whether people could request in person or the opposite request that their scheduled in person be on Zoom. Yes, I think you can make those motions and, and, and have an affidavit if it's if the other side is saying the opposite of what you want. Um, you know, you may have a health issue and you don't want to go into a courthouse and you may be able to make that case that it makes sense not to go into a courthouse. I'm not sure that you'll be able to have a trial that way. Sure. So that, that will be the, you know, it's going to be case by case basis mm -hmm. and the judge is making these decisions. So, but it seems fair that if both parties want 
to be in person that they do get that opportunity or if they do not want to be in person. When sure. there's going to be a quabble about it, we're going to have to. The if, if, to if there's a quabble about it, is that the type of thing you just communicate with the registry, registry or with the clerk or do you file? Well, I think by the way, you, if you're going to file a motion for telephonic hearing that people have been doing or for a Zoom hearing and then the other side opposes that motion, then that's going to become part of the contested. That we would love lawyers to do, which we don't do in the probate and family court very often, is pre-filing of things, not the day yeah. before. So, so today at eleven thirty, somebody had a twelve o'clock hearing. It was eleven thirty-nine. They're sending me the financial statement. Mm -hmm. So that I, and I understand financial statements need to be current, but do they need to be ten minutes current? I right. don't really right. think so. But anyway, my point being. We've always done that. Just like I said, when you go up to the clerk, you're like, here's my financial, here's this. All of that we need to train ourselves to do a little bit ahead of time mm -hmm. so that the judge has the opportunity to look at it. So right now in Essex, and in, in, in court-wide, trial court-wide, I would say, um, the judges have a real problem with seeing what's on the docket. We haven't given them the technology to really be able to pull up an image and just look at it and I think also judges are, are of an age with no disrespect to anyone because I'm of the same age, um, where technology is not second nature, like it is to just somebody who's five years younger than me or five years younger than them. So it's You're doing not, pretty good. <laughs> well, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, so that's, that's a challenge, a real challenge for us. And so the SJC, just said once the case is digitized that becomes the that becomes the record of the court correct so that happened on june 1st so i'm taking it in digitally i don't need to have any more paper according to that rule judges are struggling with that and we're trying to find a resolution and i see the struggle and i understand it we've gotten somewhat of a res resolution um, by this thing called case snapshot where they can get everything they need um, kind of in one place so they oh, can I look see. at yeah. everything. Well, so and I know a lot challenge. of judges are relying on that. I mean, mass courts is and a few years ago, it was a totally different story than where it is today in terms of actually looking at pleadings. I mean, so right. in a right. way, thank God that got you know, started moving along before this pandemic started. But I know, I mean, at hearings I've been on, I know that the ju the judges have actually said, I'm on mass courts right now. I'm looking at, you know, whatever document. So that's, right. that's been very helpful too. Right. And the probate and family court has the majority of the images because we started way back. I was the pilot way back and we were scanning things when it was difficult to scan things. You know, we've come a long way. We used to have to use a barcode and attach the paper to, you know, a piece of paper for a barcode yeah, and then that. So my point is here that we are pretty prepared for this because yeah. of what we've done in the past. And that's statewide that we started doing this scanning early. We started really considering like, if you, you know, this whole thing of my file is lost. I hate that statement, by the way, nothing's ever lost. <laughs> But anyway, um, we now have images of everything. And I'm not going to say it's perfect. It's not perfect. I've looked at images and they're upside down. I'm like, what are we doing with this? But, you know, we're doing the best we can with what we've got. And I think lawyers need to also 
um, when we come back to being, um, when you come back to the court, right now we're still, mo many places are at skeletal staffing. Yeah. Because we, I'm very lucky in Essex because I can social distance because I have a brand new courthouse. There is extra room. I've been able to get six people out of the, five people right now, I'm hoping for another out of the office working remotely. So a lot of times when you're doing this email, just to let you know the background of what happens, you email them to me or somebody in my office, meaning my first assistant or myself, and then we review them and then we send them off to a, a virtual docket, a docketer that's working at home remotely and they upload them to the docket sheet. So it's all virtual. So for us to then produce paper, it's very difficult. Yeah. No, so definitely. it's just the way we're doing it. One of the things that I always did as a lawyer, I'm sure other lawyers do, is they like to go in. We touched on this a second ago. You know, I'll go in and, and talk to the clerk about a case. You know, such and such things are happening. What should I do? So on and so forth. Are you still going to be able to do that? You are. And that's, that's what I'm... Um, talking about we're just I just got off before this call on a call about how to make the courtroom safer so mm -hmm. everybody that comes into the I don't think I finished everybody that comes into the courthouse is going to have to have a face covering yep. you will not be allowed in unless you have a face covering on in addition to the face covering we are all wearing face covering so now we're doubled up and then on the bench you will see there will be um they call them Flat, uh, sneeze guards. Oh yeah, the plexiglass. It's just uh, a little plexiglass. Yeah, yeah. So, but by the time you have the mask, the plexiglass, and the mask, we should be pretty safe. We hope. Um, yes. So, that's that's really what we're working out is the courtrooms because we believe that as we open up more and more, we'll be able to have hearings. And of course, it's always a problem with juries, but we don't do that. Oh, yeah. How is the court going to enforce some? Of, I know you said you know restrictions on who's in the courtroom, who's in certain areas, who's in the bathroom. How are you guys actually going to manage that and I guess enforce it in real time? Um, it's been given to the court officers. So for instance, in some ways, I will report if I have 40 people in the registry, I'm going to report to the court officer. I am overbooked. Do not let anybody else in this space. It's not safe for them. Mm -hmm. So then the court officer will do a scan. And if, if at any time that we think we have more people in the courthouse than the, that max limit is, which for us is 111. Okay. So under max capacity in that building, really, like by department of whatever, you know, the town, Salem, city of Salem, it's 1,599. Wow. So, we're going to let very few people in the building. And that, that kind of worries me in that it's good, but it kind of worries me in that how long are gonna, people going to have to wait for their answers? Is it going to be like back in, at the beginning of this when, you know, stop and shop, nobody could get food, but they all had to wait in line. So that's why the virtual registry, really, I hate to bring it back. I, we're, we're doing it. We don't think we need people at the court. Yeah, yeah. And especially if the... Yeah, I mean, especially if the lawyer of the day is being offered, I mean, it, really, you should be able to do almost anything, it sounds like, through there, through the virtual registry. Yes, you should. You um, should. Let's see here. I have, uh, I've got a few questions that I want to cover, and then I think that's our, our time for today. 
Oh, I did want to mention um, before I forget the, um, the the Boston Bar Association. If you're if you signed up for their registered uh, regular mailings, you'll have received this. But if not, uh, please go to the Boston Bar Association website. They actually have a pretty detailed. Uh, it's it, I think it's a great resource. It's a three page resource, uh, a guide to virtual hearings for family law practitioners. And there's there's a number of links on it. it it's a good uh, compilation of, of useful information regarding hearings, Zoom hearings, uh, telephonic hearings. Um, so I highly recommend that you take a look at that when you have the opportunity. Um, I found it very useful for myself. Um, okay, so we've got a handful of questions and then we'll wrap things up here. Um, how is the court making sure that those who attend uh, Zoom hearings are not recording them? Well, I don't think we can assure the, ourselves of that because I think that is part of, that's one of the problems. And yet we're trying to now figure out um, how to have these be public hearings because they are public hearings. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess I don't know the answer to that. There is no assurance that something isn't being recorded. I mm -hmm. guess if you were in the courthouse, somebody would say to you, a court officer would say, you're not allowed to do that. But mm -hmm. at this point, we're just trying to um, get as much work done and allow as much access to justice as we can. And this is the only way for us to do it. So if you have a fear that someone's gonna record something, I think that may be a case where you say, I need an in-person hearing. And I know um, yesterday at the, uh, the trial court seminar with uh, Chief uh, Carey, there was mention of uh, trial courts amending their position on cell phone use. Yes. So all trial courts, you can bring your cell phone into because everything's being done virtually. So we, mm -hmm. you know, that's just how it's going to be so for now. Let's see how it goes. It's, a, it's probably a temporary pause, but. So is, has the signage changed about, I know in some courtrooms you, you can lose your cell phone if, if it rings. Yeah, no, you, you, there is signage that's changed. Okay. The judge has the right to run the inside four walls of their courtroom. So okay. if they decide that they do not want people on their cell phones, that's their prerogative and they will let you know. So pay attention on a case by case yeah. basis with each courtroom. That's an important exactly. point. Um, here, okay, uh, back to the questions. Has there been any intimidation during Zoom hearings between parties? How does a judge, uh, what does a judge do if a party is being inappropriate? Um, I haven't been on a Zoom hearing where a party's been inappropriate, um, but I'm sure it can happen. Um, the judge would give, you know, give some instruction there, I would think. And uh, one of, so of coming attractions to the end of this seminar when I, make further announcements, but uh, we are doing on July 14th with uh, Middlesex uh, Probate and Family Court uh, Judge uh, Jennifer Allen, we will be doing a panel specifically about Zoom and telephone hearings, do's, don'ts, tips, tricks. So I suspect, um, I, I already know she's got a lot of very interesting things to say about, about those sorts of topics. So, so tune in then uh, to get more information about that. Um, is there a plan for managing the flood of cases when the probate court reopens? Will there be triage slash filtering so that routine allowances 
don't have to compete for time with domestic relations matters? I mean, I'm gonna say yes, of course, that's what we're gonna to try to do. There isn't a real plan as of yet as to how each court is gonna do it. We know we're backed up. We know we haven't had hearings. Um, and what you have to be realistic about it is that we also have a budget that is terrible. Um, we will be lucky if we don't lay off people. We've already offered an early retirement plan. We've lowered the amount of travel being paid to people. There are no more conferences. People will probably all end up on a furlough. So in addition to, and I don't want to make it worse or make it sound worse, but it's going to be worse. Yeah. Um, in addition to the fact that we haven't had too many cases on for the past three plus months, plus we will not have the staff. The people took that early retirement. Yeah. People will take a reduced work week if they can. So these are the kind of things. And then you're going to have people on uh, maybe an eight-day furlough, mandatory eight-day furlough. So things are even going to be slower. So having a plan, yeah, we're going to have to have a plan. But it's going to take us a while to get out of this hole. Yeah. I mean, in all fairness to the trial courts, I, I can't imagine the budget included all the technology expenses and all these different COVID, you know, no one, no one was ready for this. I'm, I can't imagine right. that was part of it. And right. the cleanings, um, this is actually, since I, I just thought of this, um, we, they did touch on this for a minute at the, uh, at the trial court seminar yesterday, but Pamela, what, what's the procedure in the courthouse going to be if, if either a staff member or if you find out that, um, a guest of the courthouse is a confirmed COVID case. So what happens is they close the courthouse down for 24 hours. They do a deep clean and then they try to figure out who had uh, substantial contact. So substantial contact is within six feet mm -hmm. for more than 10 minutes. So those people would have to, uh, would have to quarantine for the 14 days. Now if that's why we're kind of doing this um, groups of people coming into the courthouse. So I have a blue team and a gold team. I just named them that. And, you know, they come in every other week. So it's split staff. Yeah. But as we go forward, we're going to have to bring more staff in. I'm lucky I can do it because of the way where I'm at. There are courts that won't be able to do it because they don't have the physical space to do the mandated uh, social distancing. So that in a that's just gonna cause more delays itself. And I don't, I don't wanna sound like doom and gloom, but I think there are other ways to do things like the rule right. 78 stuff, go on all the paper, yep. uh, go to the virtual registry. Yep. You know, let's try to get as much as we can get done. I mean, I still, you know, this is way out there for the probate and family court, but you know, in the district, in the district court um, and in the superior court, you know, clerks are doing hearings. There's no, reason why that the register, the assistant register, the JCM, the assistant judicial case manager shouldn't be doing uncontested hearings. I mean, other clerks are holding people on bail. So we need to change the legislation so that we can move these cases forward. And there would be a great, this would be a great impetus to get it started, to get us on page one where Makes sense. That, that is somebody else besides a judge doing hearings of uncontested matters. Will, will part of the security and entrance process to the building include taking people's information so you can trace later? 
if necessary? No, I don't think that's part of it. So they're part of a union, so we've had to negotiate everything. No, no, I mean like like me or, or parties or lawyers, are you guys going to track who came into the building when? No, David, I really didn't think of it, but that what I was saying is security is not going to do that. That's not part of what has been negotiated. I, I know a lot of buildings now will have a, a sheet and you actually have to put your name down. So if they want to go back and track, you know, who was in the building that day. Right. Um, I went to a restaurant and they asked for our number. We thought we were going to have to wait in line. There was nobody there. They're tracking outside. you. I was outside being safe. Um, but that's that's what that was for. So they, yeah. if they had one person, they can track back to at least one exactly. person in the party. Uh, we haven't really given that a lot of thought. Um, and I will bring that up at my next committee. That's a very good idea, David. I don't know how okay. we do it. We're trying not to share pens. We're trying not to share paper. So mm -hmm. I don't know how we would, you know, get your information except if you were on the list. Right? Yeah, yeah, you were yeah. coming in. So those people coming through the registry, probably not, but we'll have to think about that. That's a good thought. Um, let's see here. Oh, my pleasure. Um, will there be more informal petitions file and leave with appointment in hand as in Middlesex? Well, in, in Essex, yeah, you can do that every day. Okay. So if you want to come into the courthouse, you can do that. Or you can go to the virtual registry and Vinny can do that for you. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, the virtual registry can do everything that we can do in person. So can you, can you talk to DOR via the virtual registry? You can't, but that's another good idea. You know, that's probably a good thing that we should do because look at so many backed up DOR cases. It's, yeah. it's not right, you know, and we need to get on those. So good idea. I'll be writing these down. Thank you. Um, our payments. Thank you. Uh, well, you've given us so much. The least we can do is give you one or two nuggets. <laughs> um, our, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a couple more questions here and then we'll wrap up. Are payments like filing fees also being done uh, electronically? How are you dealing with that when someone submits a complaint? I'm, I'm amending this question a little bit. How are, if you have a complaint and there's a filing fee, how would you get that across through the virtual registry? Um, we would do it. We can't do it through the virtual registry yet. Um, in district court, they have ePay for the payment of probation fees. Mm -hmm. That is coming our way. Hopefully, mm -hmm. within the next two weeks, we will be yeah. able to do that. Okay. We'll come right to the docket sheet. Excuse me? Oh. No, I was just saying, I don't think Zoom specifically has a feature to manage something like that. No, no. It would be through mass courts. Yeah. So it'd be a separate electronic a separate whole thing, yes. Yeah. And at right now, yes, could we do it? We'd have you... As any of you know that have filed anything, e-file, email, that needs a, a, a fee, we ask for your contact information yeah. and we call you up for your credit card and we bill you right there. We charge your card. So can the person that, um, the person that's actually interface, the operator on the virtual registry, take your credit card information during that session or is it a follow-up call? It's a follow-up call, okay. unfortunately. Until we get e-pay, then you can yeah. go right on your docket and um, pay. How will, okay, here's another question. How will attorneys be able to have private conversations with clients and be six feet apart during a hearing? And also how would, uh, and also a family service meeting? So all family services right now um, is virtual. They all have phones. They're trying to do them the day before so that they're ready to go. You're either, you know, so if you came to an agreement down in, in probation, then 
the judge would know that right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if any of you experienced that, but that's what our aim is to get them done the day before and then know what really is contested the next day. Um, and then what was the first part of that question? How would you stay away from your client? Well, <laughs> <both should be. laughs> if you have and the answer to that, this let me just know. Came up. This question <laughs> just came up in this prior meeting. Like they, none of these defense lawyers want to stand next to their clients. And so they were talking about a criminal situation that they didn't want to stand next to their clients. It was a defense bar. Blah, blah, blah. Any, in any event, you have to keep yourself safe. Yeah. In Essex, we happen to have room so they could sit at a different table than you. Um, if that's an in-person, if that's what you want to do in person, otherwise, I guess, text. I really don't know the answer to that. Well, what about you something like a sidebar? You know, how are you going to do sidebars? That yeah. we say? Yeah, yeah, that's the one we're figuring out now. You have to be creative. Uh, so what people were doing for sidebar before was, uh, in, in a couple of cases that have gone forward, I know, in the Superior Court, is that they've done it by um, emailing back and forth. So I don't know in our court if any of that has happened um, because oh. we haven't had any in-person hearings. That'll be interesting during a trial if you need to have a sidebar. You could just tell the other lawyer to do this. For right. A <laughs> but it, and so if you're on a Zoom hearing, obviously you both can be put into a breakout room yeah. and you can have a conversation. Whether or not that's confidential, because of the lack of security with Zoom, I don't know the answer to that, but that's, you know, that's to be determined, I guess. The, um, the last question is actually, where's the BBA reference sheet that I mentioned earlier? Um, you know, I actually, um, I received it over email. Um, I don't know if our uh, administrator of this broadcast has a, as a link that can be circulated. Um, we can um, feel free to, you can feel free to reach out to me um, individually uh, at, my, at my email um, and ask, I can try and get you that link offline. Uh, just jumping in here, I can um, distribute to all the registrants after the presentation ends. Okay, great, thanks. So I think, I think, that, I think that is the ending. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much, Pamela, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the it. opportunity. Really, visit the virtual registry. I think you'll be happy with it. I think you'll find that you uh, can get a lot done there. You know, yeah, that I agree. I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I, I really still am in awe about it. It's, it seems like an amazing tool. I wish we had it, you know, 10 years ago, and I hope it sticks around for 10 more years. I, I do, um, too. So in terms of announcements, thank you very much, everybody. This is... Uh, I've been doing uh, COVID-related um, seminars for a few months now, and uh, the, BB, the Boston Bar Association, the BBA, has been gracious enough to sort of uh, pick them up and offer these seminars totally free to the public, whether you're a member or a non-member, so feel free to pass that information along um, to, to clients, friends, uh, anybody you think might benefit from the information, of course, members of the bar. Um, and I, I do really want to thank uh, the Boston Bar Association for being willing to do that. Um, we're not going to have a seminar next week uh, because of the holiday, but going forward, and, and this was the first one, so it was, it was off schedule, but going forward, we're going to be offering a, a 60 minute or so seminar every Tuesday, beginning July 14th. And that um, that's going to be a fun one with Judge Allen. Um, we already have a uh, 
a seminar scheduled for uh, Tuesday, the 21st. Uh, th sorry, there are going to be Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Um, we have the 14th and the 21st already booked. On the 21st, we're going to be uh, doing a domestic violence panel talking about uh, 209A restraining orders. Um, and Judge Christopher from the Suffolk Probate and Family Court will be on with other panelists. Um, so I'm very excited about that panel too. And, and, and I do want to take the opportunity to thank Pamela uh, and, and also Judge Randy Kaplan and Judge Susan Rickey. Um, you know, Pamela was, was one of the first people when we came up with this idea way back in, in March, she was one of the first to jump on it. And, and the same with Judge Rickey and Judge Kaplan. And um, I really, really appreciate the support. And um, Judge Kaplan and Judge Rickey have actually been doing a lot of work helping me behind the scenes and it's been totally invaluable. Um, so I really appreciate all that support and, and I'm thrilled that the BBA is gonna be offering this to, for free to people. So thank you again. Um, thank you. We'll see you uh, on the 14th. Take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys.